We're running to where the future is. It's coming like the rising sun. We want to see your kingdom come or come do a new thing. Church, I just believe that God's doing a new thing in your life right now. I believe that God's doing a new thing in this place. I believe that God's doing a new thing in this city. God's doing a new thing in this world. And listen, man, I've, I've read all the studies. I've seen all the numbers about how the church is losing ground and people are losing interest in God. And just with all due respect, I get a front row seat every week to a much different story. And in this new narrative, God is just getting started. Younger generations, man, are opening. Their eyes are being opened every day to the beauty and the grace of God. And they're ready to take the gospel to the ends of the earth with this new passion and creativity and zeal that I've never seen before. Older generations are being re-energized to disciple and to mentor and to fund and to pass on all of the wisdom that they've gleaned over the years on to the next generation. And I just believe, man, I just believe, church, that our best days are ahead of us. I just believe that hundreds of years from now when historians write about this era of the church, they're gonna write about an uncommon unity in the middle of a polarized world. I just believe that they're going to write about the days where authenticity finally got more important than getting up on stage and pretending like you have it all together. I just believe they're gonna write about a generous generation, man. That's what I believe about this church. I know you do too. And so from the bottom of my heart, thank you for being here, church. And welcome to Red Rocks Austin. You guys can take a seat. My goodness. I'm gonna pull it together, I promise. You guys doing all right? 11 a.m. Let's go. Today, we are going to change things up a little bit. We're gonna talk about something a little bit different. It doesn't get talked about a whole lot. Last week, Doug um, gave us four ways to hear the voice of, of God. It was a brilliant message. Go listen to it if you haven't yet. But I was sitting over there, and I was thinking, hey, I, I think this deserves one more week. I think we need to take one more week and talk about one other way to connect with God. And um, although we don't talk about it often, for me, it has been the most important way that I have learned over the years to connect with God, and I am talking about silence. We don't get a whole lot of that anymore, do we? For some of you with young kids, that was your first moment of silence in years. We live in a very, <laughs> but we love them. We live in a very noisy world. 3,000 years ago, the psalmist wrote this, Psalm 46.10 says, Be still. Be still and know that I am God. So apparently one way to connect with God, to know that God is God is to get quiet and sit in silence. 
Yeah, the problem is the world just keeps getting noisier and noisier. Um, Tyler Pullen gave me a book called Quiet about a month ago by Susan Cain. It's a really interesting read. But her premise is um, that if you wind the clock back a couple hundred years, uh, the world favored the introvert. Because you think about like a farmer, um, they're going to crush it if they can just stay to themselves and uh, focus on what they have to get done. But ever since, um, like really the, the last hundred years, we've made this shift from what she calls a culture of character to a culture of personality. And she makes the point that now it's, it's less about what you know and it's more about who you know. And so the pressure that we all feel, introverts and extroverts alike, the pressure that we all feel is to get more and more connected and to network more and more and to get more and more linked in and, and to meet more and more people. And now we have technology to, to help us, right? And so we all feel this pressure to build a bigger and bigger platform and scream louder and louder so that the world can hear us. And yet somewhere along the way, I just feel like as the noise has increased, our ability to connect with God has decreased. Like, I, I think there is a reason why there's a correlation between the world getting noisier and noisier and the rise of what sociologists call the rise of secularism, right? As we get louder and louder, we get further and further as a culture, as a whole, away from God. And, and so this psalm, Psalm 4610, 3,000 years ago, might have been a beautiful invitation to a shepherd out in the hills, but today it almost serves as more of a warning, doesn't it? Man, church, we need to relearn this lost art of silence in a noisy world. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to learn. I want to teach you some things. Not that I'm an expert, but this is something that I'm passionate about. I want to teach you just, just some things that I've learned about the art of silence. I titled this talk, Silence in a Noisy World. And right off the bat, here's my challenge for us this week, church. My challenge for each one of you, five minutes a day. Five minutes a day, no phone, no music, no sound. For you, for you parents, this might have to be in your car before you walk into the office. You might need to get creative. Five minutes a day where we get rid of all the other distractions and just meditate on Psalm 23. Read through Psalm 23 nice and slow and just meditate and let the word of God speak to you. Now you might be thinking, how am I going to, like Psalm 23, I have to read it for five minutes. Don't worry, today for the rest of our time, we're going to do this exercise together. We're going to walk through it verse by verse and I'm going to give you some thoughts to think about and then I'm going to give you five tools along the way that you're going to be able to carry into those five minutes of silence with you, okay? So every day this week, I'm gonna challenge you to get away for five minutes and meditate on Psalm 23. Throughout the course of the next few minutes, I'm gonna give you five tools that you can take into that silence with you. Now, five tools is a lot, all right? You can't remember five. I don't need you to remember five. I'm going to give you five because everybody's a little bit different. So just pay attention to the one that really resonates with you. It's like you're going shopping, for your tool to take into the silence with you this week. Pay attention to the one that really resonates with you and give it a shot this week. Does that sound good? By the way, I got this exercise from a guy named Dallas Willard. Um, if you're more interested in Psalm 23, one of his, my favorite books of his is a book called Life Without Lack. 
It's absolutely brilliant. Willard was a uh, philosophy professor at, at USC. Kyle, there you go. Um, he passed away in, in 2013. Um, but he, he's kind of like the Yoda of spiritual formation. And so um, he was in an interview and somebody asked him, hey, what do you do in the morning to connect with God? And I was expecting to hear like some profound exercise that I never heard before. And he goes, oh, I just get silent and read Psalm 23. And I realized like, well, yeah, like we never graduate from this stuff, you know? Whether this is your first time in a church or you've been following Jesus for 60 years, we never graduate from getting silent and quiet and meditating on Psalm 23. You guys ready to, to do a little meditation in silence, Psalm 23. Let's read it together. God's word says this, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I love that psalm. Even if you are new to, to church, you've probably heard it in, in some context. Um, it's, amazing, it's an amazing psalm, and I, I just want to walk us through it one verse at a time. So you note takers, you're going to love this, and uh, we're going to go to school today. You guys ready to learn a few things? Silence in a noisy world. Let's start with verse 1. It says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Or as the NIV puts it, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. In 1970, the average American saw 500 advertisements every day. 500 advertisements every day through billboards and articles and things in newspaper. I don't know. I wasn't alive in 1970, right? 500 times a day. That's, that's quite a few ads. However... In 2021, that average is up to 6,000 to 10,000 ads every single day. That's what we're seeing. 10,000 ads every single day. Now, what's an ad? An ad is a company telling you, hey, you don't have enough as is. You need to buy our shampoo, right? Or whatever it is. An advertisement is a company saying, you should be in want right now. You should be in want right now, but our product is going to fix everything for you. 10,000 times a day. That's 70,000 times a week. 30,000 times a month. 3.6 million times a year. We're being told we're drinking the wrong water. We're shopping at the wrong store. We're vacationing in the wrong city. We're not strong enough, we're not pretty enough, we're feeding our dog the wrong kind of dog food, or whatever it is, right? 3.6 million times a year. Are you starting to see why it can be so powerful to get away in the silence where there's no advertisements with just the word of God and meditate on the fact that we have a good shepherd 
And since the Lord is our good shepherd, we actually have everything that we need. Do you know that about yourself? I think one of the reasons we're, we're scared of silence is because we're, we're scared of what God might say to us when we finally get silent. And so we just get really noisy and, and just pretend like, like we don't hear this invitation into the silence. But the, the really good news is as soon as you go into the silence, what you learn is your father is way more crazy about you than you ever knew. You have a good shepherd who says, I'm with you. You don't have to be in want. What's interesting is this psalm was written by a guy named David. If you know anything about his life, he had every reason to feel like he doesn't have everything that he needs. In his, his 20s, he was a fugitive on the run. So you young adults a couple years out of college that are like, I, I don't even know like, what I am supposed to do with my life, relax. David had an entire nation chasing him, Right? Right? Like when you're looking over your shoulder from left to right all the time, worried that somebody is going to come kill you, it's very difficult to say, no, you know what, I've got everything I need. I'm good right now. But that's what David did. Later, David became king. When you are responsible for an entire nation and you got a whole bunch of people that need things from you all the time, it's got to be really difficult to stop and say, you know what, I've got everything I need right now. But that's what David did. Later in life, David's own son, David's own son tried to raise up a rebellion and overthrow his throne. So in one night, David was about to lose both his son and his kingdom. And when that happens, it's got to be really, really difficult to say, you know what, I've got everything I need right now. But David did. Do you know why? Because David understood what we all need to walk out of here understanding that the Lord is his shepherd. In fact, whenever you see Lord in all caps like that, the, the writers of the translators are telling us that it's actually the, the personal name for God. We call this the, the tetragrammaton. We're not sure exactly what it sounded like, but we think it was something like Yahweh. David's saying, I know, this isn't just some like ethereal God. I, I know this God. His name's Yahweh. He's saying, Yahweh is my shepherd. That's what comes with proximity. When you take time to be quiet with, with God, all of a sudden you start to realize at, at a deep level, like a level that's too deep for words, that you have a good shepherd so you don't have to be in want. So first tool. This is one that I use with this psalm all the time. It's called breath prayer. Breath prayer uh, Christians have been doing for thousands of years. Isaiah 42, 5 tells us that every breath we have was given to us by God Breath prayer is the, the act of thanking God for those breaths. I like to do this with scripture where I, I inhale one line and I exhale the next. So I will sit alone by myself, take a big deep inhale and go, the Lord is my shepherd. And then an exhale, I shall not want. And then an inhale, the Lord is my shepherd. And an exhale, I shall not one. The first few times it's a little strange, but you do it, you do it four or five or six times and all of a sudden you, you feel uh, like, like yourself, like slow down, just be in the presence of your good shepherd. Breath prayer is the first tool to take into the five minutes of silence with you. That's for some of you, but let's keep going. Don't worry if that one's not for you. We've got four more coming. This is verse two. It says this, he makes us, makes me lie down in green pastures. 
leads me besides still waters. I love this verse. For years, I used to always think that the, the green pasture meant like my, my like happy place, you know? Like, like for me, it's the beach. So I always thought like, oh yeah, God's gonna take me to the beach. Great, sweet, it's awesome. And I think that, that's one way to look at it. But the more that I think about it, green pastures, if you're a sheep, mean opportunity. You ever thought about that? So, so what kind of sheep lies down in green pastures? This is the desert after all. You never know when the next green pasture is coming. When you're in the green pasture, it's not time to lie down. It's time to eat as much as you can to make sure you survive another day. So what kind of sheep can lie down in a green pasture? A sheep who knows he has a good shepherd. My good shepherd leads me to this green pasture right now. But you know what? I can sit down and just enjoy it because yesterday he did the same thing. Tomorrow, we're going to some more green pasture. On Tuesday, we've got more green pasture. Wednesday is a big green pasture day for us. I'm really positive that my God's going to take care of me. And so, yes, I'm surrounded by opportunity, but I can learn to rest even in the midst of it. In a city like Austin, in a church like Red Rocks, it's very, very important that, that we understand this. Right, because I'll say it this way. Um, if you are in a tech startup right now or trying to get a, a business off the ground, you have a job that's never done, right? There's always going to be more opportunity. There's always going to be more money to make. And, and man, you, you know me. You know I've got your back in that. I'm cheering you on. We're with you. We've got a Discover course that's just about helping you do that. Thank you, Ian. Right? We, we want you to succeed. Here's the thing. If you have a job that's never done, that means you need to learn how to lie down in green pasture. You need to learn how to rest even when you're surrounded by opportunity. And that might look like saying no to some things sometimes. It might mean saying no to some money at times. Again, I'm not, go get your money. Absolutely. I'm just saying, as one of your pastors, I don't want you to gain the whole world and lose your soul. And, and, and so you know, Doug and I were having this conversation on Friday afternoon, okay, again. So this isn't us saying, like, we figured this out, go and do likewise. This is us saying, we're in this with you, trying to figure it out. Because for the last three years, we've been building a church that's never done. There's always something more to do. And so I think that uh, Psalm 23, verse 2, gives us this beautiful invitation to, to, to lie down in green pasture. And if that's difficult for you, the, the antidote is realizing that we have a good shepherd who's going to take care of us. On, a, on Thursday, um, I, I had a, a tough day, a frustrating day, and I got to the end of it, and I was like, okay, I just need to, I need to rest I'm going to rest for the evening, and then I'll get back after it on Friday. And uh, as soon as I went to rest, I just felt restless. Anybody know that feeling? Like, I'm really tired of teetering in between exhaustion and restlessness. When I'm working, I just want to rest. When I'm resting, I just want to work. What's going on? Well, what I've been realizing, and the second tool to, to give you, is that there is a whole lot of power in just naming the pain. See, because we, have a whole, we all have a lot of stuff that we're carrying around, and when we work, it's a really convenient way to push that stuff down. When we rest, it tries to surface 
When we sit in the silence, it tries to surface, and we don't like that. So if you're anything like me, you try to push it back down with whatever your vice is. Maybe it's through, through eating too much or drinking too much or binging too much of a show or scrolling too much on your phone, right? We try to push that stuff down. Just to be very honest, Thursday, I sit down to rest and I turn Modern Family on, on the TV and then I've got my laptop open with more research for this sermon and then I take out my phone and I'm on a group text with my friends and I stop and I'm like, I'm one person trying to rest. Like, I don't, why do I need three screens right now? What am I trying to run away from? So I stopped. It's the worst is when you're preaching about this stuff. You know, you get plenty of opportunities to practice. I stopped and I said, okay, I'm just going to get silent and I'm going to start naming the pain with God. God, I feel restless right now. Yeah, yeah, you feel restless right now, don't you? What's going on there? I don't know. I guess I'm, I guess I'm kind of anxious about my sermon on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, you do f- seem kind of anxious about your sermon on Sunday, what's going on there? Well, I don't know, I guess, like, I just really want this church to, to work, and I guess I'm, I'm fearful of what would happen if it, if it didn't. And just the act, just the act of naming it and giving it to God. I'm telling you, all of a sudden, I was just able to lie down in some green pasture and get a little bit of rest. That's for some of you. Name your pain. If you're having a hard time sitting in silence this week, try naming your pain. See what happens. We got to keep moving. Verse 3 says this. He restores my soul. Anyone's soul needs some restoring this week? Doesn't that sound amazing? He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I love the order of this, by the way. We start with restoring the soul, and then we get to the paths of righteousness. So often, and I'm totally guilty of this, we, we try to flip that order and we try to teach, well, like, like morality, right? You just gotta like, find the path of righteousness. Do the right thing and stop doing all the wrong things. But if we would get serious about this first part, about just allowing God to restore our souls, the Bible says this path of righteousness is just gonna be natural to us, right? It's just, a, it's just going to be an overflow for us. So we start with allowing God to restore our soul, and that leads us to walking in paths of righteousness. Let me, let me tell you one of the, the best, most practical ways I know that my soul needs a little restoring. This is going to sound weird. When I stopped using my five senses. Oh, we're getting practical today. When I stopped using, like, like taste. Let's start with taste. It's just the easiest example. God gave us taste buds because he wants us to appreciate and enjoy Amazing food. Amen, Phil. (laughs) I love you, man. Food for me at times turns into me running through a drive-thru because I'm late for my afternoon meetings and I need a little energy, so I'm going to scarf down something very unhealthy for myself so I can get through the day. You know? Uh, it's like as, as when we get out of our like, flow with God, when our, when our souls just need a little restoring, it's like the first thing that goes is our five senses. Jesus was a master at helping people come back to their five senses. You ever notice that in scripture? His, his disciples are, are panicking, freaking out. Hey, look at those birds over there. Watch the birds. Look at like use your eyes and actually watch the birds. When Thomas in John 20 is panicked, Jesus shows up and goes, Thomas, I want you to feel my hand right now. 
Like, use your sense of touch. Feel my hand. When Peter, after he denies Jesus three times, worst day of his life, and then sees Jesus on the shore and swims to him, Scripture says that Jesus has a charcoal fire waiting for him. Can't you just smell a charcoal fire? Two years ago, Doug preached a brilliant sermon called Between Two Fires, where he, he pointed out that, that Peter's greatest failure happened around a charcoal fire, where he denied Jesus three times. And so what's he doing? Now, now he gets back and he sees Jesus, and the first thing Jesus does is bring him right back, lets him smell it, brings him right back to that moment to say, Peter, I know you at your worst, and I still love you. I want you to smell it. In fact, put some fish on the, on, on the stove or however you do that with a fire. I don't know. <laughs> Let's enjoy some food together. Jesus was constantly bringing us back to using our five senses. Something powerful to that, especially when it comes to silence. So that's something I've been, been doing for a long time. And, and then I was talking to um, Matt a couple weeks ago, and he was like, oh, yeah, dude, that's, that's like a, a great practice. You should talk to, to Kylie. She's a therapist. So I called Kylie, and, and I told her about it, and she was like, oh, yeah, five, four, three, two, one. I use that every week, or I use that every day. And I was like, five, four, three, two, one, what are you, what are you talking about? And she goes, here's what you do. Teach them to go get silent, sit in your backyard, and, and name five things that you can see. That TV this TV, a lot of TVs here. I, what if I just name all five TVs? <laughs> Four things that you can feel. Like feel your shirt, feel your, your feet on the ground, on the earth. Four things that you can feel. Three things that you can hear, that's my favorite. Because when you're silent, all of a sudden you can hear the plane flying overhead. You can hear the birds chirping in the distance. You can hear the person mowing their lawn down the street. All these things that we just block out because we have so much going on, you can, you can just stop and listen. Two things that you can smell, one thing that you can taste, take a nice sip of your coffee and just actually enjoy it. You'll be shocked as you go into your five minutes of silence how much just that simple exercise, five, four, three, two, one, will do. It'll restore your soul. All right, so we've got breath prayer. We've got naming the pain. We've got five, four, three, two, one. Maybe that's a better way to call it. Better way to call it. Better way to say it. Name your emotions. Or you, I'm sorry, use your senses. Let's keep going. Verse four. Even though, love those two words. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I love the Bible for many reasons. One of the reasons is because it's real. Um, first two chapters of the Bible talk about God being in perfect unity with Adam and Eve. The last two chapters of the Bible paint a picture of the new heavens and the new earth. But in between, there's a whole lot of confusion, a whole lot of doubt, a whole lot of pain, a whole lot of questions, a whole lot of just trying to figure it out. In between is a whole lot of walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And this psalm is very much set up. I was thinking about that this week as I was meditating on it. The psalm is very much set up just like the Bible. 
first two verses, our first three verses are like sitting down in the fields and having your good shepherd alongside with you. And the last few chapter or the last few verses we're going to get to are like, we're going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But right in the middle is this beautiful and very real verse about our present reality. Sometimes life just feels like we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I'll take it a step further. Sometimes getting silent feels like we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Go read Matthew 4 and watch Jesus' experience when he goes out into the wilderness for 40 days to get silent. He comes face to face with the devil himself. It's like this, this really crazy picture of what happens in silence as you come face to face with the darkness. But the beauty of that story is that Jesus, the light of the world, shines the light on that darkness, overcomes it. And then the very next like, section in your Bible says Jesus starts his ministry. There's a very interesting process in scripture where it seems to be trials, valley of the shadow of death, silence into anointing, calling, ministry. So let that encourage a, a few of you if you feel like you're just going through it right now. May it be because God has something more for you on the other side and he's equipping you and he's getting you ready to step into what that thing is next. Well, silence is a great way to face that pain. But, but I love this word here, walk. That's our, our fourth tool is just simply going to be walk because for some of you, you're going to sit down and try to be silent for five minutes and it's going to be too much for you. And that's totally, that's totally great. If that's you, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get up and go for a five-minute walk, prayer walk, silent walk. Don't bring any music. Don't bring, any, don't bring your phone. Just go take a five-minute, just get active, right, and, and allow God to walk with you through the valley. Because that's the beauty of this verse. Even though, yeah, we have to face the pain. Yeah, there is a lot of hard things in life, but we have a good shepherd who goes with us. And so we don't have to be uh, afraid. Take a walk. It's so, so, so good for you. And then verse five, and our final tool, says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. First off, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Like, we could do a whole series on that. You know when you slow down and that inner critic just gets, like, a loud, like, microphone? Anybody else have an inner critic? Cool sermon, Ryan. That's usually what mine says. <laughs> nice joke. <laughs> No, maybe it's an awkward social situation or maybe it's, um, uh, psychologists call this imposter syndrome, always feeling like, I don't belong at this job, I don't belong at this, in this social setting, I don't belong, I don't belong here. So this inner critic, we feel like when we get silent, uh, we're just going to be like handing the inner critic the microphone and letting him, him talk, but the, the opposite is actually true. When we go into silence with the good shepherd, the, the good shepherd puts the inner critic in his place. He says, no, I, I prepare a table for you. I'm going to roll out a table for you right in the presence of all those inner voices. I'm going to tell you just how crazy I am about you, even when the inner critic is trying to get in your ear and tell you that you're not doing a good job or that you don't belong here or whatever. 
right? When we get alone with our good shepherd, he speaks life over us. He reminds us who we are. You are a son. You are a daughter. And in the silence, that's where we are reminded of it. That's where the anointing comes from. Like, man, I, church, I want you to start walking around with God's anointing. I felt strongly like I needed to say that this week. As one of your pastors, I want you to start walking around with God's anointing. But where does the anointing come from? Where does the cup overflowing come from? Like, like so often, we want God's anointing to, to be so strong in our lives that it's overflowing onto others. But we don't want to put in the work to get silent and be with God to receive that anointing. Wanting God's anointing without wanting God is like wanting to be strong without going to the gym. Wanting to be rich without putting the work in. There's a really interesting study about people who win the lottery, who become rich without putting the work in. Spoiler alert, it hardly ever goes well for them because they haven't created the healthy habits that it takes to live that kind of a lifestyle. We want God's anointing. We have to learn how to get silent with God. We have to learn how to go to the secret place. We have to learn how to let God fill up our cups so much that we're overflowing. Like, do you guys know that you don't have to panhandle for God's anointing? You don't have to hope that somebody else gives you something. You don't have to hope that, that Ryan's, Ryan's preaching good enough today or Doug says just the right thing or Emily sings the right note so that you can leave out of here and have the anointing of God. Do you know that you have a direct connection to God? I want you to know that. And I want you to experience that this week. And hopefully Sunday morning is a great, a great pick-me-up of something that you're already doing and a celebration of what you are already doing. That's what I want for you. That's what God wants for you. He's your good shepherd who says, come on, come talk to me. Come get away. Put away all, all this world that we live in is awesome. I love it. But let's put that away for five minutes a day and just get our firm foundation back. Watch as our cup begins to overflow. Then you walk into a room and you make it better every, everywhere you go. You have words of encouragement for people. You lift people up. You don't feel like a, a, a burden to the world because you have so much good news and you, that you, you just want to start speaking life over people. That's what happens when our cup begins to overflow. So last tool, I call it open your hands. Open your hands is what it sounds like. You just open your hands. Now, the reason Emily tells us to, to lift our hands sometimes is because posture is actually really important. Sometimes our posture can help remind our heart uh, of what's really going on. And so what I do sometimes when I'm reading a verse like this is I, I just go, um, I open my hand like that to receive. I go, you anoint my head with oil. And then I turn my hand around and I go, my cup overflows. And I picture myself sharing that love with other people. I receive it, you anoint my head with oil, then I share it with the world, my cup overflows. Maybe that's your exercise, your tool for this five minutes of silence this week. So open your hands and just watch as you go through Psalm 23 and see what happens. So, breath prayer, name the pain, use your five senses, go for a walk, open your hands. Five tools, pick one, 
try it this week and see what happens. But we can't end without going to verse 6. Verse 6 is a beautiful reminder that God's goodness and mercy shall follow me. The Greek word is, is, is hunt me down, chase after me. Some of you may be feeling like that's happening to you right now. I keep trying to get away from God. Somehow I keep ending up back here. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, it's because God's goodness and mercy is following you all the days of your life so that you can dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Somehow David, I think, just knew about Jesus. It's a thousand years earlier. It just seems like he knew the plan. Proximity with God will, will do that to you. This psalm, Psalm 23, just seems to, to, to foreshadow a good shepherd. David said, I, I have a good shepherd. And a thousand years later, Jesus comes on the scene and says, no, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for my sheep so that my goodness and my mercy can follow them all the days of their life so that they can dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Man, when we let this psalm sink down, not just from a, a, a head level, but down into our heart, down into our soul, I'm telling you, it'll transform you. So that's what we're gonna do right now. We're gonna take a, a moment and just be quiet. We're gonna put Psalm 23 up on the screen so you can meditate on it one more time. And then the band's going to sing a song called Quiet. And in this time, I wanna invite you to, to remain seated. You don't have to sing along. Just sit still, enjoy this. Parents, this might be the last bit you get for the next, who, who knows how long. Enjoy this time. Let God speak to you in the silence as we meditate on Psalm 23 and relearn that God is God together.